Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. My name is Paul. Why? I am not the senior pastor, I'm not an associate pastor, I'm not a care pastor. I have served as deacon for those of you that don't know me. But I love God. God has called me to preach. Today I want to share with you about something that's called rejoicing. We're going to be in Philippians, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But I'm going to ask Kim, if she would, I think it was the second song that we sang. Could you put up the slide that has the bridge of that song in it? Technical malfunctions. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with, you could replace that with, in. Now life begins in you. What's the next slide? It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. Do we believe that? Seriously, do you believe that Christ has made you new? I'm going to start not the way I planned to start. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a story. There was a very stoic Englishman that came to visit the United States. And in his travels, he met a Native American. And in their conversation, the Native American started telling him all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. After a while, the stoic Englishman looked at him and said, Why is Jesus so important to you? And the Indian thought, Then he knelt. He gathered sticks and twigs and he put them in a circle. Then he took a worm and he put that worm in the middle of the circle. And then he let the twigs and the sticks and the moss on fire. That worm started to crawl in one direction. Then it started to crawl in another direction. But no matter where it went, it always got closer to the flame. Until finally in the end, It curled itself up in the middle and waited to die. The Indian reached down and picked up that worm. And he held it to his heart. This is why Jesus is worth so much to me. This worm would have died once. But I would have died and suffered eternally in the flame with it never ending. That is why Jesus means so much to me.
we are going to be talking about rejoicing. And the reason that we should be rejoicing is the reason that I just shared with you. If for no other reason, no matter what circumstance or predicament that you find yourself in in life, and Lord knows in this world that we live in, we are surrounded by a lot of circumstances and a lot of predicaments. But ultimately, our happiness and our contentment does not rely upon the world, does not rely upon the things that are going on around us. It relies on the joy that we have in Christ through our salvation from that fire. That's where our joy lies. And we should rejoice. Personally, and I'm not talking about West Hill in particular, but personally, I think the church as a whole does not. I think personally as a whole, the church truly has lost its grasp on what we have been given. The depth of our salvation, the depth of our relationship, or at least what our relationship should be in a Christ that gave everything for you and me. Amen? It's not religion, it's not church, it's relationship. In Christ. So. Now I'll start where I was going to start. What would you say was the opposite of a Christian people? Would it be an atheist? Would it be a pagan? Would it be someone that is hypocritical? Would it be an unforgiving people? What would your answer be if someone asked you what the opposite of a Christian was? Well, a notable author was asked just that. What is the opposite of a Christian people? His answer, a sad people. I'm sorry, is there any way these lights can get turned off? Several years ago, I had laser surgery on my eyes because of glaucoma, and now they're extremely sensitive. So, I'm sorry. Our scripture today in Philippians 4 starts with these words. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That is not the only time in Philippians that Paul said to rejoice. In four short chapters, you know how many times he said to rejoice? Ten. Ten times. In four chapters. We are to be a people of joy. The good news, the gospel, it, that's what it means. Good news. When you hear good news, don't you want to share it with people? Even in a worldly sense, when you hear good news, when good things happen to you, don't you want to share it with others? Except if you win the lottery. That I understand. I would not share that with anybody. But when you hear good news, we as human beings typically want to share that with others. Why then, as Christians, do we not share the good news? 
We're not a sad people. Whatever circumstances we may be victims of, we have been rescued. And we can choose. In other words, we can make the choice to rejoice. And this is where a lot of people stumble. Lost, troubled, sad, fearful, devastated, anything but joyful. Life in a world of sin has mired us in discouragement. Billy Graham, not perfect, but I did like these three things he said. Discouragement is the opposite of faith. It is Satan's device to thwart the work of God in your life. True? True. Fear can banish faith, but faith can banish fear. True? True. Christians who are strong in their faith grow as they accept, key word here, whatever God allows to enter their life. Is that true? God means all things for what? Good. For those who love him. Did you know that St. Paul actually wrote this letter from prison? Yet, he encourages others. He writes back to them to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If you would, you have your Bibles open to Philippians 4. We will read the first, I'm sorry, we'll read four through seven. I'll be reading from the Holman Classic Version. It may differ from yours slightly. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The message puts it this way. And, and try to hear the joy in these words. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. That you're working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know all of your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Let's pray. Almighty and holy God, you are the, the creator of a vast universe. And yet, you're our father, our daddy. Lord Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, we thank you for your blessings. And yes, Lord, we thank you for the trials. Open our hearts, Lord, to your spirit today. Lord, let your words take root within our heart. Let them grow like a giant tree by the riverside.
Lord, let that work itself into our lives through works for others. Let us be Christ to those around us. Help us, Lord, to put fear and worry and anxiety on the back burner. But, Lord, to live in the joy that you have placed in our lives, no matter what occurs. We thank you. We praise you in all things and at all times. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. That song keeps popping into my head. I think it's Mike Green, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, I'm sorry. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Life is far from easy. We can carefully plan things out. We can take precautions. We save money. We try to balance all of our responsibilities. We try to handle everything that life throws at us. But things just happen. How many have lost a loved one? I know there's at least one here that has lost their home and everything they had. How many have lost a job suddenly and unexpectedly? I'm sure some have. Imagine living in a small town in Tornado Alley and it coming through and taking away not only all your material possessions, but maybe your family as well. Things can happen. But regardless of what is swirling around us, we can make a choice to rejoice. How is that even possible? As a Christian, God promises to provide care and blessings, but he does not promise to shield us from the possibility of pain and hurt. Instead, he tells us that he will stand with us through everything that we encounter and that we are never, ever alone. Do you believe that? He tells us that there is a purpose for our suffering and he finds a way to bring everything together for his glory. Do you believe that he can do that? He tells us our suffering is always temporary. He tells us that when we accept his gift of salvation, we will rest in heaven with him for eternity. Do you believe that? Do you believe that everything you have is not yours? Do you believe that everything you were given, you were given to by God. You, God allowed that to come into your life and you are now a steward of it. But if God wants to reclaim that in some way, it's still his. We take a look at the persecuted church. We take a look at the persecuted Christians throughout time and what has happened to them. And you want to talk about marvelous examples. I'm, I, I do not want to be on a burning cross or a burning stake. But there are people that have stood there tied to a stake, lit on fire, that sang praises to God as they died. I'm not talking about the 12 disciples. I'm talking about Christian martyrs throughout time. They chose the choice to rejoice. Do we 
What does it mean to rejoice? According to Webster's 1828, <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. According to Webster's 1828 dictionary, it means to experience joy and gladness in a higher degree, to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations, to exalt. To exalt. There's a lot of you here that know I had cancer. Maybe some of you don't. Briefly speaking, I sat in that chair right there and I refused to raise my hands. I refused to sing and I refused to praise the God that made me sick. I was angry. But I learned that he was worthy of that praise. Regardless of where I was. You can be in a pit of despair, but God is still God. And you're in that pit for a reason. I'm not, and don't get me wrong here. I don't have the answers to everything. I just know what God's word says. And I know that when he gave me cancer and he sent me to the hospital, I met so many veterans that had no hope. No family, no support system. No knowledge of God. And they were just sitting there withering away waiting to die. And by giving me cancer, it gave me the opportunity to stand beside them. Man to man, man to woman. And share a hope that is above anything that can ever happen to you. And we were able to rejoice in God, in our pain. Tony Evans once said, when you're, in, when, when you're going through something, focus on the purpose and not the pain. Rejoicing doesn't always look like happiness. Let's get that straight. You can be hurting and still choose to delight the Lord. You can choose to see the bigger picture and be grateful for what God has done and what he is doing. Put simply, rejoicing is a choice. And as Christians, we're called to joy. We're not called to hopelessness. When the world around us sees us in our horrible situations that we may find ourselves in, our actions, our words, the way we present ourselves is a direct reflection of our relationship with Christ. That's how they see Christ. If they don't know Christ, they're going to see them through you and they're going to see the ugliness that is in us when we are not choosing to rejoice and therefore, they're going to get a very tainted picture of Christ. And that's a shame. We need to focus on what God has done for us, what he's doing within us, and what he's preparing for us and preparing us for Just like every other command in the Bible. And rejoicing is a command. 
Just like every other command, we will benefit from it. People often think of God as a demanding God with a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations, boring our lives. But in reality, these commands are for our benefit. And ultimately, for his glory. Your, the reflection of Christ that you exude to those around you, if done in the right light, brings God glory. If done in a negative light, in an attitude, in a mind attitude of despair, it does not bring God glory. Years ago, I had to double check with my wife to make sure I was correct on this, but years ago, um, we went to an air show in Youngstown and they had these flight simulators. So you were, in a, you were in a fighter jet, and this thing moved all over the place. I got more seasick in my life in that thing than I ever have before. But they have a control, and it's called attitude. It's an attitude control. And what it does is it controls the nose going down and the nose coming up. I crashed a lot. My nose kept going down, and I crashed. But that attitude control, when pointed up, I flew. Because where was my focus? My focus was up. Altitude depends on attitude. And it's not something we do by ourselves. Could you save yourself? Nope. This is a spirit thing. And don't think that discouragement is not spiritual warfare. Don't think all these things that God allows that Satan brings into your life isn't spiritual warfare. I'm not going to get into a whole sermon about the spiritual armor of God, but do you have it on? Are you girded and ready for battle every single day? Are you prayed up? I, I'm a sinner. This morning I sinned, anxiety and worry. It happens every time I'm about to preach. I give it over to God, but it's, it, it still creeps in every time. I completely forgot where I was going. Altitude depends on attitude. Charles Swindoll said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. Boy, is that true. You can't change one thing that happens to you, but you can choose how you react to it. I don't know how many times I told my kids that. I needed to tell myself that a lot. How do you react? Do you go to the Lord in prayer? Do we give him everything every time? I don't. I'm a sinner. Colossians 3 says that, So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, 
where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. Set your minds on what is above and rejoice. Seek the purpose and the pain and rejoice for everything that God has given you. He picked you up from that ring of fire. Verse 5. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Paul encourages the Philippians to be joyful. But joy is not often visible. But acts of charity are. Paul encouraged them to let their gentleness be seen by everyone, including those outside of the church. The Greek word is, and I, I mess this up, epikis. It means moderation. But it's difficult to translate. In the sense of the letter of the translation, words like forbearance or leniency could be put in there. But that does not capture the spirit of what that word means. It describes someone that is willing to yield his or her rights to show consideration and gentleness to others. Regardless of where we are. We may find it easy to be gentle with some people, but call, Paul calls us to show gentleness with everyone. He used the same word in 2 Corinthians 10.1 when he spoke of the gentleness and the graciousness of Christ. Rejoice and let your graciousness be known to everyone. Doesn't that sort of flow? When we're in an attitude of joy, when we're in an attitude of rejoicing in Christ, doesn't our gratefulness just sort of flow out of that? Doesn't that make sense? Warren Wearsby states in his commentary that Jesus never sacrificed truth in order to be gentle, but he always had a gentle spirit that would often disarm those that were set against him. John 13, 35 says, they will know us by our love. There's a song that pops into my head too. They will know us by our love. Do they know you and do they know me by our love? One for another in and outside of the church. Does our joy in Christ flow through us to everybody around us? I'm probably going to get this wrong. Everybody know who R.C. Sproul is? Anybody, anybody ever heard of him? Wow. Okay. R.C. Sproul is, is a very good teacher. And he was asked about, oh, what was it? Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your strength, all your soul. And he said, I haven't been able to do that for five minutes straight. Do we rejoice enough to let that joy be seen in how we interact with everybody else? Verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. That's a tough one. 
Anybody ever worry? I did. I sinned this morning. Billy Graham said that anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. Which means if our hopes are centered in God and his will for us, then anxiety would be less present. Christians are to be responsible for the needs of their family. Do not get me wrong. And you are to be concerned for others. But we're not to worry. We're not to fret. And we're not to have undue concern. The issue with worrying is that it is a subtle sign of distrust in God. Instead of worrying about something, What's the Bible tell us to do? Shout it out loud to God. Give it to God. The problem is, at least with me, I put it on the altar, get halfway down the aisle, run back up to the altar and take it out of the church with me. Anybody ever been there? Why do I do that? Because somewhere in the back of my head, I think I can do a better job. Or else I would have left it there. Ask him for joy and an eternal perspective. Not worrying about today. An eternal perspective. A consistent prayer life is actually a remedy, I think, to confusion and sorrow. Not just dated times for prayer, not just for in the morning, just for at night, but everything at every time in prayer. Something comes up, take it to God. That should be our first response. Irregardless of what it is, take it to God. But that's an attitude that we have to have. It's an attitude that has to grow in us. It's a, a willingness that we have to give to God to let the Spirit bring us to that point where our initial reaction is prayer. And that's where growth comes in. Prayer will take our mind off the worries and troubles that we feel we must carry. And it will direct our heart and our minds to God. I don't know about you. But when things, I have certain issues. And when these issues arise, the only way I can get rid of them is by prayer. I can listen to music. I can go run around the block, which I don't do because Proverbs says, only a sinful mind runs when no one is chasing him. So the only way I can get rid of these issues is prayer. Because it focuses and redirects my mind to where it should be. And that's on Christ. We have to add thanksgiving to our requests. Not just seeking God's guidance, but acknowledging who we're praying to. How often do you say thanks? We should say it a lot. And I would encourage you. And I don't do this. I always say I'm going to, but I don't. And I should. Make a little journal. And every time something happens that you're thankful for, you write it in that journal. 
Carry it with you. Put it in your office. Put it on your, wherever it is that's going to be handily available, put it there. And when you go to prayer, you start flipping those pages. When you're worrying about something, you start flipping those pages because there's things you're thankful for. There's answers to prayer. There's proof of God's faithfulness. There's proof of God's goodness. There's proof of God's strength. There's proof of God's love. All in this little book, handily available right there. I don't know why I don't do it. I keep telling myself I am. But I think it would be an amazing tool to help me focus on God. The peace of God and the sense of relationship that we have and our understanding of his purpose of our design. That we gain through a consistent prayer life. is truly worthy of our gratefulness. This peace will keep our hearts and our minds focused on Christ. It'll help us keep from sinning in our struggles. It'll help us from sinking under the weight of anxiety. Keep us calm. And we will learn to dump our worries on God. Because he said, do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If the Philippians had heeded the words in verses 4, 5, and 6, they would have the peace that he talks about in 7. He would have turned that anxiety. They would have turned the anxiety to prayer and they would have been filled with the peace of God. It's not the world's peace. Not, this is the peace that Christ promised to his disciples. He also promised it to everybody that would follow him. He says in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. This does not come from positive thinking, does not come from absence of conflict, doesn't come from good feelings. True peace, true, true peace comes from knowing that God is in control. Do you truly believe that everything that has, is, or will happen to you, God is in control of? I would nod my head too, but next week, something's going to happen, and the first thing I do is not going to be prayer. It's something that I believe the church as a whole needs to grow in. You know, you, did, did you know that none of us are ever perfect this side of glory? We're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. But you go to God because God's in control of everything. You got, if you know it, you got to believe it. Because knowing is different from believing. I can know something in my head, but has it rooted in my soul? Do I believe that God is in control? We receive peace when we believe and maintain that daily walk with Christ. It's the only way. 
God's peace surpasses all understanding. We can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense. It is not a natural reaction in the face of calamity or sorrow. It just isn't. It's abnormal. We're supposed to be abnormal. We're Christians. When the world sees us, they should see someone that is different. They should see someone that reacts differently. It's not self-generated. It comes from God through his spirit. The word for guard in that verse is a military term that means to surround. God will surround your heart. He will put your heart in garrison. A fortress. He uses that same word, or rather Peter uses that same word in 1 Peter. When he says, who are being protected. Who are being guarded, garrisons. By God's power through faith. For a salvation that is ready. To be revealed in the last time. So. Rejoicing. Proverbs 17.22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a downcast spirit dries the bones. Or as the message would say. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. By our choice to rejoice. We can lift others from struggling. Our love, our smiles, and our positivity can help those who are struggling to make a choice to rejoice. It's amazing how when we can be down with troubles and you go and you visit somebody that has worse troubles than you, they have a great attitude. Doesn't that lift you up? Aren't we called to... To lift each other up. To build each other up. And what is one good way to do that? Through joy. And by rejoicing one with another. We don't have to minimize suffering to maximize rejoicing. You don't have to. We need to remember who holds us in his hand. And rejoice. Because that is ultimately where we need to be. 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Is that our motto in life? If you would, bow your heads with me. Father God, we love you. Lord, you, you are so much more than we can ever describe. You are so much more than we could ever ask for or hope for. And Lord, we are frail. And there are times when the world comes against us, Lord, that we, we don't look to you. I pray that your spirit does a mighty work in each and every one of our hearts that you help us to choose to rejoice in the face of whatever comes against us. Let us sing in the face of opposition. 
Let us raise our hands, knowing that we are standing upon the rock, praising your name in the face of adversity. Let the world look at us and go, oh, that is a strange individual. I don't know where he gets that from. I can tell you, I get it from God. Help us to be a joyful people. Just help us. Is there anybody out there, eyes, heads bowed, eyes closed? Is there anybody out there this morning that knows they need to choose to rejoice? If you do, just ask God. Ask God. Give it all to him. And let him give you that joy that overcomes everything. Father God, thank you. Go with each and every one of us today. Give us safe travels. Give us absolutely wonderful and beautiful fellowship. We thank you. We praise you for who you are. In the name of Jesus the Christ.